G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. It's show number 179. We've got Courtney Kyle in with Andy for the music interview. We've got a couple of her tracks. Bob McMillan with something to talk about. And, of course, Paul Bergini and I do the news. We've got a couple of other bits and pieces we're talking about there as well. Uh, big show. Let's get on with it. Let's get this show on the road. Yes, get on with it. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. G'day, Andy here, and this week it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show one of our absolute favourite Australian country music stars. She's had multiple number one album and hit singles charting on the iTunes country music charts, She's wowed massive international television audiences singing the national anthem at Mount Panorama in Bathurst prior to the start of the biggest supercars race of the year. She's performed right round the country in the coveted role of June Carter in the Johnny Cash concert tour, and she has once again been awarded the best female vocalist for the second year in a row at the People's Choice Awards. Hot on the heels of her co-headline performances at the 2024 Tamworth Country Music Awards, she is, as always, busy taking her energetic shows out to her legions of adoring fans. It's always an absolute treat to get a few minutes to chat with the wonderful Courtney Kyle. Hi Courtney, welcome back to the show. It's always great to hear your lovely voice and find out what's going on in your hectic world. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I was very excited when I came through to book in a time with you, so thanks for having me. Well, it's become a bit of a habit, hasn't it? Oh, I know. It's a good habit. <laughs> I think so. Long may it continue. Now, first up, congratulations on being awarded Best Female Artist at the People's Choice Awards again for the second year in a row. Well done. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for that opportunity and to be awarded that. It's a very special one, you know, because it is people voted. It means people have taken the time to log on on their computer, their phone, however, and place that vote. It's really special and I feel very, very privileged that I was able to take that one home. Well, it says a lot. Are you going to give someone else a go next year or are you planning on doing it again? <laughs> 
well, whatever the people vote. But, you know, I feel very, very lucky. And there's just so many incredible artists on the go at the moment. And at the awards, there was so many beautiful people there also up nominated. So I feel very, very lucky. And, yeah. and I, I think the industry is in good shape moving forward. It really is, isn't it? We've got a lot of great people coming out of the woodwork at the moment. It's good. Oh, absolutely. It's incredible. And even being at Tamworth this year, I feel like the talent was just up a whole other level, Mm. walking up and down Peel Street, the buskers. It was really incredible. Yeah. Well, last time we caught up, you just released the single Nothing Like a Sure Bet, and you were in the middle of the Johnny Cash concert tour. Looking back on it, that's finished now, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, well, we're kind of on pause. We did a show at Tamworth, which was really fun. And at the moment, Dan, who plays Johnny Cash in the show, he's currently cruising, doing a bunch of shows on cruises. So he's living the good life at the moment, which is pretty cool. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking before about it, taking on the role that you did. It, I'd imagine it'd be very hard. It's an immersive experience. Did it ever get to the point where you're having trouble working out whether you were Courtney Kyle or June Carter on any given day? <laughs> well, I, I try my best to slip into the June shoes, but, you know, she is just so incredible. I could never compare anywhere close to it. but. You know, I've just really loved diving into their music and really embracing it. I grew up listening to Johnny and June. Yeah. So it's it's always been a big part of my life and it's been good, you know, re-watching Walk the Line to pick up on different mannerisms and things like that. Reese Witherspoon did such a good job in that film. So it's just wonderful getting to bring their music back to life on stage. It's just so incredible, their music. It just has such a big impact on so many people. And that's probably my favourite part of doing this show is the audience members come from all different walks of life. Yeah. And they are because they love Johnny Cash and June Carter. Mm. Now, 2024 Tamworth Country Music Festival's come and gone. What were the highlights at Tamworth for you personally this year? It was just a really incredible week overall for me. I just loved every moment. I had the chance to have my first headline show, which was really awesome. I did that alongside Bonnie Pellet. Yes. The two of us have been doing a Fierce and Fearless tour, which has been really, really fun. And we thought we'd take it to Tamworth. So our headline show at Moonshine is on the first Sunday. So that was just a really nice achievement to do that in the planning process in the lead up. You think, oh gosh, it's Tamworth. There's so many other incredible events on. Is anyone going to turn up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you kind of think about those things, but it, it ended up being such a beautiful night. We had an incredible audience there, a packed house at Moonshiners and some awesome guests as well. Yep. So that was a really big highlight. Obviously, the People's Choice Awards was incredible. And I also got to play an open for Adam Harvey. So that was a really cool one as well. For sure. You were actually kicking off the Fierce and Fearless tour with Bonnie Callot, wasn't it? Well, we did a couple of test run shows last year. This is kind of the version two of the show now. Oh, okay. We were doing it initially with Abby Ferris as well, so there was the three of us. And then this year she was wanting to go on to some different projects and travel. So we thought, okay, well, let's do a bit of a version two. So that was the debut of the new format of just the two of us. Then we're trying to, wherever we go, if we do a show somewhere, pick up some local talent, get some other artists involved as well to use the platform that we've got to include other people in the process as well. So it's been really great. And we really loved the new style of show at Tamworth. And, you know, we've got another one booked in on the Central Coast in April. So it's going to be really great just to see how the show keeps progressing. Yeah, so it's developing as it goes, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we're kind of just going, okay, that worked, that maybe didn't work, let's change that up. You know, it's nice when you you can do that and tweak it as you go. For sure, yeah. Now, I see you've also got a gig coming up soon alongside Brian Cadd. Now, that man's a legend. That's going to be a fun night for you. 
Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. He's incredible. You know, he's one of the legends of Australian music and internationally. So mm. to be able to play a show with him, I'm very thrilled and, and can't wait to just really get my set out the way and so I can go sit and <laughs> watch his show. Yeah, I remember a bunch of years ago, we were at a concert and someone came in late with his family, this little hairy guy, climbed out of the seats, popped in next to me, g'day mate, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh for goodness sake, shh, the show's on. <laughs> And then it wasn't until the lights came up and I thought, oh, for goodness sake, it's Brian Cad. Oh, my goodness, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. He's a lovely bloke. So let's talk about your new single. That's why we're here. When you ask most artists about the circumstances that led to them writing a particular song, you usually get responses like, well, it was after a nasty breakup or I was standing on a clifftop watching the sun go down over the ocean or something momentous like that. But when I asked you the last time we talked about how the song Nothing Like a Sure Bet came about, you shared that it all came to you as you were taking an afternoon nap. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so did all about you come to you while you were mowing the lawn or doing the laundry uh, or something like that? Well, I think that was just a lucky chance last time of, of being inspired having a nap. <laughs> you haven't yeah. had that since. But <laughs> this one was it was a little bit more natural. It was in a songwriting session with my producer, Rod McCormack, who's yeah. written most of my singles and produced all of my music, yes. along with Sally Barris, who also co-wrote the last single with us. So we were on Zoom, and really it was just a chat. We're all catching up, kind of thinking, what should we write about? And, you know, we wanted to write something quite feel-good and positive and up-tempo. So we kind of started there. Rod got his guitar out and started, you know, just playing around with some different riffs, some rhythm, what feel we we're wanting to go for to kind of set the intention of the song. Mm -hmm. And then through just chatting about different things about me, we're like, hey, that could work. So kind of started putting in different complexities about me, you know, living in the city, but growing up with a country heart and things like that and being on stage, but loving the peace and quiet as well, because I'm a bit of an introvert at times. Yeah. So we thought, let's put that in the song while also, you know, talking about falling in love and finding that right person that just makes everything feel right. And it was just a really, really fun session. We had the song kind of flow out quite quickly and decided to get into the studio and record it. This was all kind of maybe two weeks or a week before Christmas last year. So it was nothing like getting it in before the end of the year. So it was just one of those moments where it all worked and so nice to have it as the first release for 2024. Yeah, brilliant. So the song in one part talks about contradictions you find within yourself. And I love the lines, I'm one part fearless, one part kind of shy, the life of the party, but the queen of the quiet. Your songs always seem to have a, if I can call it that, a take-home message woven into them. What in a nutshell would be the take-home message in all about you? Well, I, I think the bigger thing in this song is that I can be a little bit of an overthinker, a little bit scattered, bit of this, bit of that. Oh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> like most of us are, really. Yeah. So I feel like the take home is, you know, when you find that right person, that makes everything feel right and calm. Mm. Those things that you can bank on for sure. And I think kind of similar to nothing like a sure bet. It's like when you find that person that you can rely on, it makes everything settle and calm. And it's about kind of just living life to the full and doing those things and doing an adventures with the person you love. Yeah. Like coming home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our special guest this week has been the wonderful Courtney Kyle. Courtney, as always, it's been great catching up with you again. Thanks for the time to join us and have a chat. Oh, my absolute pleasure and appreciate any chance to catch up. So thanks for featuring me and supporting my music. I'm very, very grateful. Well, you keep putting out great music. We'll keep continuing to play it. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> it's time for us to have a listen to your new single. Would you please introduce it for us, Courtney? Absolutely. It's Courtney Kyle here, and you're about to listen to my new single, All About You, here on the road. Cheers, Courtney. Take care, mate. Thank you. Well, I'm one part country, 
one part city lights. Put out fires Monday morning. Light them up Friday night. I'm fireworks that burn out into all shades of blue. All these contradictions. One thing is true. From falling to all in now. I'm all about you. Paul B. Journey's with me for news uh, podcast episode 179. And have a bit of a look at what's going on and uh, see who got the act in the goat award this week. I'm pretty sure there's a candidate. Paul B. Journey, how are you, mate? Good morning, Mike. Good morning, dear listeners. I'm, I'm going well. Um, I hope your week was, was safe and productive up and down that Hume Highway. Only went up and down twice. I washed the truck yesterday. Guess what happened about an hour after I washed the truck? One of two things would have occurred. You either would have done a drive tyre on the inside of the drive or, or it would have rained. <laughs> no, one rained. of the two. It rained. Well, one of the two, yes. 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 Uh, it definitely did rain and I had to drive 20 k's back to the depot in the rain. Mm, and, and, then leave, and then leave the truck dirty. Yeah, that's, that's not a good feeling. Oh, it just annoyed me, you know. You spend all that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not easy to get those barrels clean. 
<laughs> Do you know in the old uh, in the old days, the old days when uh, you used to have the old snake oil salesmen mm. travel around the Midwest of the United States, you know, selling uh, Make It Rain. The best thing they could have had back then was a long bonnet Kenworth repeater built, yep. and um, give it a good wash in the middle of the township because it's a sure way to make the, the clouds open up and the rain fall, isn't mm. it? So. Well, there's a lot of stuff that we should be talking about this week. There's a lot of stuff we'd like to talk to this week, but the problem with it is, mate, we've only got a certain amount of time, so we've picked our several uh, favourite items out of the news. Mm. Um, obviously, uh, in the news this week, truckies need more rest areas, parking bays, and demand a new parliamentary report. We don't need another parliamentary report, boys. We've already got one. We know what's going on. There's a rest area committee in place. Funding in place. We're not going to talk about that rubbish. Um, just need to build them. We do. We just need to build them. Get some shovels in the ground. Of course, there's you know there's your feel good stories about the truckies looking forward to Saturday trips with the sun and you know the good life of the truckies. He travels the Apple Isle and all sorts of this stuff, prowling the paddocks in the Riverina. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of things. And of course, there's your usual swathe of truck stories, electric trucks, and you know who's who's swapped chairs and the big manufacturers and things like that. None of that matters to your average everyday truckie, mate. We're going to talk about things that matter to everyday truckies today. Let's start off with the truckie that's lucky to be alive after the timber went through the cabin in his truck, if we can. Ouch. <laughs> that, uh, for the listeners that haven't seen that image, uh, I've seen a couple of images similar to that, Mike, in the United States mm. and Europe. I can't recall seeing one here in Australia, but that's that's quite confronting. That uh, that that sawn timber coming through the rear of that uh, that fuse and out through the windscreen like wacko. It doesn't, doesn't look like a truck that old either. Looks like it's, it. It looks quite new, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He was um, that that poor fella. He was he was just away from serious uh, injury or death, though. Shocking. Yeah. Now, obviously, we've got the whole motherhood statement from the NHVR about. Uh, uh, load securement and everything. Now, I've looked at the pictures. There's a lovely couple of profile pictures on it. The guy had belly straps, web, you know, web uh, belly straps and things on that. Uh, about the fourth, fourth pack up. Yeah, he had uh, he had strapped it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, mm. to me, I mean, I, look, maybe the straps could have been a bit tighter. I don't know. I didn't put the put my hand on the tensioner. He clearly didn't give it a slap and say that's not going anywhere. Hmm. I reckon that mm. might be the issue, but we have to ask a question here. You can see we've got the standard uh, front gate rack. Well, that didn't fare too well, did it? No, and um, and in in my in my old flat top days, uh, it was always it was always practice that we would always have a very thick piece of plywood on the headboard mm. or front gate and the back gate. That was standard flat top practice and you'd um, you'd flip those pieces of ply down, Mike, and in yeah. the interstate guys, we'd put our cap tarps on them and cart them around. Now right. um, I I, I wanna bring briefly, I wanna bring that that point up because I have been out of the, the flat top uh, the game for a while, but mm. um, I recall, yeah, you know, practice for us was always we'd have the rope, you'd have a rope um, lashed around the top of the, the the gates and then pulled backwards on a forty five degree angle. Well, we'd tie the now, gate back at least, yeah, yeah, tie the back the gate back. Now I haven't seen that for years, and a friend of mine, a good, very good professional operator up here in Queensland, who's been in the flat top game, tells me 
that the NHVR have actually said that's not legal, and it hasn't been that way for years, and you don't see... I can't recall the last time I've seen a frontal rear gate on a flat top with those ropes, you know, on a 45-degree angle forward or back, you know, not... Look, ropes quite possibly wouldn't have saved that um, that gate from bending forward like that. Mm. I believe a, a good thick piece of plywood would have saved quite a bit of it. Mm. I guess the other question we have to ask the manufacturers these days, as I can recall, my old Hallmark flat tops, those front and back gates, you almost needed two men to pick them up to, if you were ever pulling them out. They were so heavy. Yep. Um, is that the case these days? I doubt it. In the world we live in, Mike, of everything's got to be lighter. It's all about tear weight and all about cost saving for the manufacturers. Again, we kind of have to ask, is that, you know, I think the, the strength of that front gate on that trailer possibly should be looked at. There's no markings on the trailer, so I can't tell what brand it is. Um, but I'd, I'd certainly be interested in the in the strength structure of that gate as well on that well, particular truck, absolutely. We have to look at uh, what's going on as far as the structure of the gate's concerned. I've got another question, though. This guy didn't stand on the brakes for the fun of it. No. So no. We, we have to wonder what else contributed to that accident. Now, he looks to me like he's rolling up to a set of traffic lights. I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy. What I am trying to say is that there's, there's always more to the story than just what you're seeing there. Now, this bloke nearly lost his life. Uh, Very close to it, yeah. Could have uh, easily been that I, I mean, so uh, unless unless there's something going on with him he, we don't know about, and that was that was a very, very weird attempt, mm. I don't think that's the case. He's obviously been driving down there in the traffic. He's, he's, he's uh, tied that load down uh, as best he can. Maybe he needs to have a little bit of an improvement. But I don't know. Mm. I mean, I saw, I've only seen a couple of photos of the thing. It looked like it had enough straps on it to me. Mm. Now, mm. I don't know what happened, but the but the fact is he hit the picks and fairly bloody hard too, I would say. And uh, and the timber's broken free of the straights, restraints and propelled into the cabin. I mm. think that we need to have the stronger headboard on these sort of things. If you're a flat top, you need to have a good, solid, the Americans call them a headache rack. For, mm. for obvious mm. reasons. Mm. Um, they have them on the back of the cab. They don't have them on the front of the trailer. Uh, no, they're interesting, the Americans. They rarely run a front and rear gate on flat tops. It's quite odd-looking from an Australian operator's mm. point of view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so a good solid headboard made out of bloody uh, you know, good quality steel with a good quality uh, bit of prevention on it. And then, of course, you put the freight hard up against the headboard. That's what I always used to do when I was towing flat, ports, flat tops. Correct. Correct. Yes, uh, yes. And I used to have chains on my on my front one, so mm. and they were welded and I, there. And I see the, uh, the 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 motherly NHVR is also announced in as as I don't know, as a result of this or in, in that conversation, they've just kicked off a nationwide blitz on uh, targeting the construction industry. Of course, of course they yeah. have. Now, <clears throat> I have a fascinating question for them, and uh, I, I wonder if if they're going to uh, while they're, while they're you know, hitting the construction industry. Let's have a really good look at tradies' utes and the way, <laughs> and again, in southeast Queensland, Mike, the gross, the gross overloading yep. constantly of tradies' utes, the incorrect loading and the unsecure loading. Like, 
So we, we talk about this poor, poor driver with this timber. Now, up here in Queensland, not sure if it's national or just the state, but in Queensland you've got this deal now where everyone runs around with one of these little nets over yeah. their ute. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, but if a tradie's ute goes over on its side and he's got toolboxes and, 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 and um, you know, all sorts of hardware in the back of that ute, that net is going to do nothing. It's still going to – there's going to be gear scattered all over the road. Oh, yeah. no, no. Those nets, those nets are like a shield of steel. Right. And then I also invite – I invite and I challenge the NHVR to have a look at these little Japanese – Tradie pack trucks that are becoming so popular now mm. that you still drive on a car license. They're dual wheels on the rear. Yeah, quite quite a neat looking little truck, I might add. Mm. But they're very popular with concreters. So the concreters up here put the racks over the top. Yep. You'll see them going down the highway with all the um, the concrete Rio on top, concrete mixes, bags of concrete. I challenge. I invite the NHVR to have a look at those as well. But, of course, Mike, I know you and I, we always challenge each other. Are we cynical? I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, all right. Well, we're done on load restraint. I think I feel sorry for the guy because that truck, I think, is comprehensively destroyed. I reckon that one will be heading to the wreckage yard. Mm, shocking accident. Oh, yeah, shocking accident. Shocking accident. And, uh, I hope the guy uh, learns from it. Indeed. Right, oh, no. what's next, mate? We've got a hazard perception test, or we can talk about the heart stopping video. What do you reckon? Oh, let, let, let's roll on this video because I've got, surprise, surprise, I've got a couple of comments to make on that. Gee, so. All right, well, the heart stopping video has appeared during the week of a near miss between a truck and a train. It's obviously prompted more calls for safety. I'd love to hear the audio from the train drivers. I reckon there'd be a little bit going on there. Rail mm-hmm. freight operator Orision, or Rison, or whatever they call themselves, they're joining calls for increased safety at rail crossings after sharing the footage. We've had a series of near misses and collisions in Australia recently. Obviously, you know, we've done the thing with Queensland Rail talking about level crossing safety and, and that sort of thing. You can lead a horse to water, mate, but you can't make it drink. There's another one, another video from Tasmania kicking around. Um, we have to do the right thing. I mean, let's face it, these the trains can't stop. Uh, and if one does clean you up, it usually is uh, a terminal experience. Uh, and, and, you know, these things happen. We've been talking about trains being illuminated on the side. Uh, this guy's gone through a... It doesn't look like it's uh, a that well-controlled intersection, uh, train intersection. It's obviously got lights and things like that. No boom gates, though. I wonder what no the was boom, No boom gates, Mike, yeah. on either of those videos. There's yeah. no bloody boom gates. Yep. And and it's you know, there's white lines painted on the road, so clearly it is uh, in an area where you know people are expected to be paying attention and stopping. There's plenty of little you know safety features there, like Armco rails and things like that. But I, uh, I I had a bit of a laugh to myself uh, in the in part of the story I was told. Uh, this happened out in the goldfields, uh, by the way. Uh, the 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 one that they've got the video of going in front of the train. So mm-hmm. um, there's nothing there's nothing painted on the side of the truck that I can see. No company. It's plain name. white, correct? Yeah, plain white yeah. Mercedes by the look of it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and uh, I know it might not be a Mercedes. I don't know. I can't see. But it's a, it's a plain white Euro cab over anyway. Now, in the, in the story, they reckon that Arisian made Horizon, sorry, made contact with the transport operator that owns the truck, and are happy mm. with how they've responded. Mm. Um, how about making contact with the police and let them respond? Because clearly, I'm not going to defend this truck driver. He obviously hasn't stopped. He obviously hasn't paid attention. He obviously hasn't done something. And for it to be that close, uh, there's a change of underpants needed in that cabin, I'd say. Um, he, he's done the wrong thing. But again, we've talked about this, you know, obviously after this shocking accident in mm. South Australia with mm. fatalities. Mm. It, again, enough is enough. We, we Trucks, cars and trains, mixing it up at these level crossings, if the infrastructure is not good enough, Mike. Mm. Now, poor old transport industry, years of pays, years of pays, years of pays. The trucks, the trucks add to road damage. The trucks add to global warming. The trucks add to this. So... Why aren't well? I have a, I have a question here. Do the users of the rail infrastructure, Horizon being one of them, you know, why can't they be forced to also contribute to getting rid of some of these level crossings and putting in overpasses? And that is the permanent fix for near miss or fatalities. The permanent fix is overpasses. Yeah, well, that's true. I suppose they're not always practical. Um... Not always practical. They are. But then, what are what are people's lives worth? Well, <laughs> we could have the we could have the uh, let Darwin sort of that conversation there. I mean, True. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if some people do stupid things, irrespective, Indeed. irrespective Indeed. of what you do, and you can't make everything idiot proof because then you only get idiots that can do it. You know, so we've only got to look at the way our drivers have been dumbed down with automatic, you know, trucks and. Uh, I mean, you tell you can't tell me that the, the the skill and ability of drivers today is the same as it was twenty years ago. I just won't have it. But no, I completely agree. And and as you say, the idiots keep breathing. And I mean, you only got to look at the politicians that are running our country. Oh, don't even start me on that. But the the short story here is, we've got this vision here. Uh, there are a number of questions about it. Yes, it was heart stopping. I've had heart stopping moments uh, where idiots have cut across in front of me in cars. So. It's all relative. Um, I don't know what we can do about it. You're right. The railway companies uh, should be helping to foot the bill. Uh, they certainly make enough out of their trains, I think. Mm. Um, mm. But it, the, the problem doesn't always lie with the rail guys, I don't think. Uh, no. And, uh, no. There you no. go. All right, let's go. We're done with that one. We don't want to be here all day doing the news. Uh, where are we now? We've got the hazard perception test. Now, I believe you've done a little bit of research on the hazard perception testing uh, going on, Paul. Well, I, I after I read the article, hazard perception testing, I'm going, okay, right, I'm not, I'm not, not against, you know, I am not against any driver, uh, you know, driver education for further education can only be a good thing. Once again, the NHVR competency framework is looking at heavy vehicle testing only. Mm. I'm not sure why. So my question there is, do car drivers not come up to hazards? <laughs> Unbelievable. So I thought, well, being of a uh, being of a European background, I thought I'll have a look at what uh, the other countries are doing. And, and have you driven in Italy, mate? I have driven in Italy, Austria, Germany, and Spain. Um. I, I, I sort of think that, that 
traffic lights and road rules are sort of optional in Italy, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They are. They are. I tell you what, they are mad drivers. Mad. But, mad. The but they are highly skilled. They are actually very, very good drivers. Like and that. and a perfect example of that is in Germany. They have had a hazard perception test. It's part of young drivers yep. when they go for their licence. So they must do it. Now, there's an interesting interesting study, um, and I invite listeners to have a look at etsc.eu, which is obviously for Europe, and it, there's some amazing data in there. And here's, here's a fascinating, like, fascinating um, finding there for causes of accidents in road participation and, and road users and fatalities, right? And it's a graph, so we all know what a pie graph is. And in there, this is from 2013 to 2016, 280 car drivers, 89 motorcyclists, 34 pedestrians, 14 cyclists, and guess what, 18 other. Now, in that 18, so we're talking a tiny little slice of the pie graph, in that other, I researched that that is truck drivers, mm. obviously, train drivers, aircraft, et cetera, et cetera, the, hot, the rest of the section of the transport sector. So, again, even in, in Germany, which has some of the best drivers in the world, the car drivers are still have more fatals than truck drivers, and yet here we are in Australia. No, no, the truck drivers have got to have the hazard perception test, not the car drivers well, or the a, motorcyclists. Well, I had a bit of a read of this, and I thought to myself, well, he's, he's obviously someone looking to get some HVSI funding or something like that with, no. with their little bit of with their little bit of uh, thing here and we can sort of milk this a little bit and, and give ourselves something to do and, and maybe skim a little bit from the uh, heavy vehicle safety and that was my that was my first cynical thought I must admit when I read this is uh, someone trying to find a job for themselves are you being cynical again uh, always um, I think that uh, there are a lot of people out there driving around that really probably shouldn't be driving at all. Could not agree more. And that that is across every single group. So there are truck drivers that shouldn't be driving trucks. Absolutely. There are car drivers that shouldn't be driving cars. People don't realise how easy it is to do yourself a real mischief on the road. They take horrific risks because there's no perception of danger or there's no perceived risk in what they're doing and of course we had a chat yogi and i had a chat with greg murphy when we were over in new zealand and we were talk we talked about the fact that people when they start to drive get away with specific behaviors over and over and over again so you you know i've got countless videos of people zipping down the right hand lane then slipping across four lanes of traffic uh to get on an off-ramp to save themselves five seconds, right? Mm-hmm. I've also got a video where a car did that and hit the ass of a car on the buddy safety ramp, come out in front of a truck and, and got spun around. That happened in Belgium. And if anyone wants the link, give me a, give me an email and I'll send them the link to that. But the, the, the story with, with it is is that the people keep doing these things over and over and over again, reinforces the bad habits. They think that because they've got away with it again and again and again and again, there's nothing wrong with it until one day uh, all the planets align 
and they find themselves spinning around, rolling over down the motorway. Well, this is a very personal thing for me this morning because I spent last night in the emergency room in Toowoomba Hospital with my darling wife after a car accident yesterday. Right. <clears throat> we talk about, uh, you know, um, danger perception yep. uh, or hazard perception rather. So um, Amanda was on her way home in her work kit yesterday with a colleague in the car right? and uh, in a 100K zone doing 100 yep. and a, a young Chinese student, she'd just started her uh, started her uni degree at Gatton, so the uni year starts, I think, in the first of February. So this poor young lass had been in the country for about two weeks. Right. Um, <clears throat> she come out of uh, come out of the T intersection onto the main road out of the university. Amanda spotted her. Amanda is a very very good car driver. Uh, she spotted her, lifted her foot. So there you go, hazard perception. Mm. She kind of looked, didn't say anything to her colleague, but looked at this car and went, mm. she's got some hesitation there. So she lifted her foot, slowed down, and then at the last second, this young girl was looking to her left, not looking to her right, and put the uh, put the foot on the pedal and went straight out in front of Amanda's oh, work unit. And no. Amanda T-boned the young lass in the A-pillar, um, did hit her under brakes because she was – aware that there may have been a hazard coming up. Mm. Uh, thankfully, everyone's okay. Amanda was in emergency room just having some um, tests for internal bleeding from the seatbelt. Um, so, but everything's okay. But the interesting comment that came out of that accident was a colleague who was an older male of hers mm. said to her, if I was driving, that accident would have been far worse because you spotted it before it was even going to happen. Yep. So there is an example of hazard perception, absolutely. Yes. Well, I think that uh, drivers are, you know, should be graded on a scale, I suppose. I mean, I don't mm. know if anyone's ever played any of those old role-playing games where you used to get a 20-sided dice and you would roll a skill level and you would get a number and that affected how well your you know, role-playing character uh, performed in the game. They were awesome games, yes. Um, I, I reckon there are some people out there that might have a two for hazard perception. Mm-hmm. Amanda's clearly got a 20 with some sort of a bonus. She did very well yesterday, and, yes. And, you know, yes. that depends on your outcome. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, Andrew Hill, uh, Dr. Andrew Hill, Professor Mark Horsell from the University of Queensland, when they're talking to ha- uh, Osroad, saying hazard protection is one of the few driver-specific skills found to be associated with crash risk. So therefore, why are we not applying it to everyone? Every driver. And if you can't pass a hazard perception test and you can't pass the skills to drive a vehicle, why is it that uh, we give people licences? And not necessarily refuse them refuse them a license ever, but if you if you pass if you can't cannot pass or cannot pass the skill set, then do some more education and yeah, do some more training. I, I yeah. honestly believe if you failed your licenses uh, you know, three or four times mm. um, probably that might be God's way of saying you shouldn't have one. <laughs> Perhaps. Right. Uh, let's move on, mate. We've got my favourite subject to round out the news with. Uh, we're gonna have a little chat about one other thing too. Just on the licensing thing, before we go on to the, the the tolls, there's a story you're getting about about how an 80-year-old truck driver was made to do 20 push-ups to keep his license, 84 years old. 
Do you know what state that was in, by any chance? I don't. What a disgrace. What an absolute disrespectful disgrace. I don't know, I don't know what state it was in, but there's a whole list... There's a whole list of um, of um, different requirements to uh, to keep your license these days, mm, mm, and obviously mm. as you get hard, older, it gets harder and harder to keep the license. Eighty six years old he was to, told to do twenty push ups to keep his license. That's uh, disgraceful. Veteran I'm truck sorry. drivers who have been driving for years now. We've had a chat about this before. They obviously want to keep their license to. Uh, to you know, drive their bloody hobby truck around or, or whatever. I mean, Indeed. the the medical requirements sort of vary from state to state. Well, so in um, in New South Wales, MC drivers are required to take an annual driving test from seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've only got a HC or lower, it's only it's at age eighty. Mm-hmm. Victoria, there's no prescribed age related test. So unless oh, really? okay. unless there's a concern about uh, health or something like that. Uh, it's got to be declared or reported. Um, no, no test. Queensland, no prescribed age-related test. ACT, no prescribed test. Hmm. Uh, South Australia, heavy vehicles must taste a driver test annually from 85. WA, heavy vehicle drivers require a test at 85 years age and then annually uh, unless a medical condition requires earlier assessment. Uh, Northern Territory, only if it's recommended by a health professional. Hmm. And Tasmania, no prescribed related test. So uh, New South Wales obviously <clears throat> is the toughest place to keep a license if you're uh, if you're uh, wanting to keep it. But I don't understand how it works. I've had drivers talk to me about their, their experience trying to keep their license. Obviously, I know a lot of guys in New South Wales, I've got some special requirements to keep my license too. But that they're medical related, not skill or age related. And and I'm I'm not a, you know I'm not against things like uh, reflexes, you know, eyesight, that stuff. Mm. Absolutely. But what the hell has push ups got to do with keeping your license? Well, I don't know. it shows that you're uh, fit, I suppose. If you're going to have fatigue management in Western Australia, which you, which you do have to have. Um, and you go and do a new job in Western Australia, you go to a new job, you'll often get sent for a medical. And part of doing that medical will be to talk to a physiotherapist and do a few things uh, to get your licence. I know that happened in Western Australia because I had an argument with one of the physiotherapists and that ignorant person failed me and uh, because I refused to do uh, sit-ups. Um, and... Um, Yes, I had a 20-year-old bloody physiotherapist, you know, trying to tell me what to do, and it didn't go down well. I went and had another medical the same day, the next day, at the same place with a different physiotherapist than passed. So it was obviously personal. Uh, young fella couldn't handle being told off. Um, I don't understand what happens. I, I, I tell you what, I, I don't consider myself certainly unhealthy or overweight, but mm. I'm not a gym junkie either. I tell you what, at, at 55, yeah. I think I'd struggle knocking out 20, 20 push-ups in one hit. Well, I so. couldn't do I can't even do one, mate. My, my shoulders are wrecked. You know? So I'm not I'm not sure how that, that poor fellow, yeah. So, yeah, bonds are to him for doing it. But, yeah, yeah I think I think that's just disgraceful. Well, well obviously, obviously what we need to do is we need an address in the Northern Territory 
uh, or Queensland, and uh, just mm. do that. Screw them. Mm, anyway, okay. let's get let's get on, mate. Age age related testing for licences. I mean, let's face it. Shocking. Shocking. Mm. Right. Mm. So we've got, and I just closed the wrong. <laughs> I just closed the wrong window. Then tolls, mate. Uh, go, Mike. Let it roll. Tolls. <laughs> We, I, I got an email during the week which I which I shared with you. Uh, Victoria's big bill. With Victoria's big bill, and and they want to charge tolls for their big bill. You're going to have to pay tolls to go through the tunnel. Um, but it seems to me that unless it's peak time, you might have to pay at peak time in the car. But if you're in a truck, you just get to pay. They're going to stick their hand in the pocket of the transport industry yet again. Yet again. And here we go. So, And and just to complicate things, because that's what we need in life and yep. in the transport industry, more complication, of course. So they're, uh, they're referring, so they've come up with a new terminology, a HPFV. Oh, yes. Higher product, high productivity freight vehicles. So just what we need, more terminology. Why Excellent. Not? Why not? Mm. So mm. you come off the Westgate Freeway, down the Westgate Freeway, and you, instead of going over the Westgate Bridge, you'll go off onto that M2 extension to to Melbourne Airport, etc. You'll come off on the new ramps and new tunnels. They reckon it's good value for trucks, though. Uh, for the first four trips, you'll only pay the toll in full for the first four. Then if you do five to eight, then you'll only have to pay 50% of the toll. Nine plus trips, there's no further charges. Uh, so there's a multi-road toll cap on CityLink and all that sort of thing. And a nighttime discount. So if you run through between 8 p.m. and 6 a.m., you'll receive a bit of a discount. Aren't they kind and generous to us? It's interesting they're not saying what the discount is. Well, so is the discount two percent? Because that's a discount technically. Mm. I don't know, and they don't, and they're not talking about any sort of time frame either. So your average no. interstate truck's going to come in from Sydney or Newcastle or bloody Adelaide or wherever it is from around the country, uh, and go through the freeway thing. Might go out to Dandenong and back two trips. You're not getting a toll, mate. You're paying full freight both ways. Absolutely. You know, or you you know, you're going out onto the onto the. Uh, Various different sections of road. Um, I don't know, but their multi-trip discount back and forth all day, discounted tolls for the fourth trip, no charge after the eighth trip. If you're a mud carter going through the tunnel and you're doing eight trips or something like that, well, you might see some benefit. My question is, though, why are we even paying tolls at all? We pay fuel excise, we pay extra res- uh, registration charges, we pay GST on the fuel on top of the bloody excise. I mean, yes, we get a few little discounts on the fuel, but the reality is we more than pay our share on the roads. And, and these days, these days, each new prime mover that's rolling out of these uh, dealerships, the sales tax on that is forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars per vehicle. You got to, you got to get your sta- you got your sales tax, your stamp duty, the whole whole lot. Every time you register the frigging thing, you know yep. your stamp duty can be twenty odd thousand or more. Yes. So they, yep. they, they're they into us for our pound of flesh. Uh, the High Street ramps, the City Connection, AM, PK, only cars, motorcycles and light commercial vehicles will pay vans uh, and large utes. That's the three categories. They'll pay a bit of a toll. But the upgraded Westgate Freeway, heavy commercial vehicles and your high productivity freight vehicles will get a charge. And I'll tell you what, I'm willing to bet it won't be cheap. No, indeed. And... 
if you try and pass that cost on to the freight oh, for you, you know the consignor or the consignee, no, no, that's that's your problem. That's pa- that's part of doing business. Mm. Victoria's big build. You know what I've got to say about Victoria's big build? <laughs> I can't wait. They can stick it. <laughs> I thought there would be something along those lines, young man. I don't go out that side of town anymore. I don't go out there. I go from Buddy Ingleburn to Deer Park. Uh, that's because okay. I'm a little bit lucky with the run that I'm on. But I cannot understand. I cannot understand the difficulty we have with tolls. So it's shocking, yeah. Go through the West Connection Tunnel in Sydney, pay the toll. If you go up Pellet Pendedores Road, which is the way we used to go for years, uh, you'll get a fine. Mm. Unless, of course, you're a DG vehicle. You know, we'd rather have you on the road on Pendedores Road for 40 minutes in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you could go through the motor through the tunnel with all the firefighting suppressing gear and all the emergency vehicles that are all there on tap. Um, we'd rather have you go through Pennadils Road than spend eight minutes going through the tunnel. Indeed. It doesn't make any sense. Logic has left the building. If you're going to pay, you. if you're going to pay, you know, I mean, I, I, I fully support people having a choice. Go through the tunnels if you want to. Yes. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we pay enough in fuel excise, enough in taxes to have our roads built for us. Um, but once again, it's people like Transurban who get to stick their hand in the pocket. And, of course, these things will go up with CPI. Indeed. So every time, you know, every six months or so, they'll jack the price up by, you know, whatever percentage it is, and it'll keep going up, and it just goes up and up and up and up. And we've got nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. We have to use it. It absolutely sucks. Tolls. I hate tolls. Let's get over that, mate. Now, acting the goat. Has anyone been acting the goat? This, uh, this I, 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 left, uh, I left this research with uh, young Millie this okay. week, and I said, uh, you see what you come up with, and yeah. she's put this across my desk. And lordy, lordy, our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, states, and I quote, <laughs> Coles and Woolworths market power is excessive, but we won't take a hammer to the duopoly. Now, for, right. for those, of, those of us that aren't aware, Mr. Brad Banducci, uh, who was, was the Woolworths CEO, uh, famously got up and walked out of an ABC Four Corners uh, interview last week because he was getting questions asked that he didn't want to answer, which is things like, why is the average Australian consumer paying between 14 and $20 for a block of cheese for their cheese and Vegemite sandwiches for the school kids. Mm. Um, he has stood down, walked out of his job at Woolworths with a $24.4 million payout. Wow. All right. So, but our Prime Minister, he, he said, there is something wrong. In quote, quote, unquote, there is clearly something going wrong with supermarket pricing. However, <laughs> he will not take a hammer to the Coles and Woolworths duopoly. Now, right. a couple of things in that quote. He even He's even admitting, our Prime Minister is admitting there is a duopoly between Coles and Woolworths, and that is affecting every single Australian, Mark, mm. and yet he will not take a hammer to it. 
and and knock that duopoly apart. Mm. So we all know that farmers are saying they're getting less and less for their products. We all know the transporters are getting screwed down by Woolworths and Coles. Mm. Albanese has been urged to use a big stick on Coles and Woolworths and knock them back in back into where they belong. However, he will not do that because he doesn't believe, and again, here's another quote, unquote, from our illustrious leader, this isn't the old Soviet Union. We have an Australian have a market-based economy with appropriate regulation, quote, unquote. Right. That, my friend, Mr Albanese, that, Clearly gives you Millie's acting the go to week award, doesn't it, dear? <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> oh, tell you what, there's just so much to unpack in that. There is just it just does my absolute just does my head in. We could spend the next two hours just on the, just oh. on this this conversation, oh. and this is something that is affecting every single working well working unworking this. Um, um, disadvantaged and disabled person in Australia, yeah. the cost of the groceries is out of bloody control, Mike. It yeah. is out of control. Well, I've decided if, if if he can have a $24 million payout, can I can I quit? Can I can I stop doing myself checkout at Woolies? Because when was, when was I getting employed by Woolies? Can I use the break room? That is just disgraceful. No person is worth that money yeah. and and he got up and walked out of his job because he was underperforming. Yeah, well, he didn't like Australia Day. Mm. Personally, okay. I think don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out, but he's he's putting his hand out. He's got his check. I reckon I'd quit for $24 million. I'd uh, Unfortunately, Mike, as, love, as much as I love working with you and on the road media, if I got that payout, I'd be locking the door behind me going, see you, Mike. <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs> see you, Liz. All right, well. You and Millie behave, mate. I hope you have you got anything on for the week. What are you doing for the week? Uh yeah, quite quite a bit. So uh, we're on deadline week for for cruising again. Mm. So that's rolled around. So I've got lots of cruising magazine work to do. Lots of uh, truck and life on the road media work to do. Uh, chasing up some new advertisers for the next issue for anyone that's interested. Shoot me an email, Paul at ontheroadmedia.com.au. And uh, and then in amongst all that is some property maintenance and uh, truck restoration. Awesome. Never a dull moment. Awesome. Well, right, buddy. Well, keep it uh, keep it safe, etc. And uh, I'll be back out on the M course next week, swooping up and down. Fantastic. Safe uh, safe driving to all listeners. Thank yeah. you. you. Give me a call on twenty five if you see me go past with my dirty barrels. <laughs> Dirty barrels. You, dirty, bar- dirty barrels and no stone guard. That's it. No stone guard. That's a conversation there we might have another day. See you later, Paul. <laughs> See you, Mike. Bye. I'm recording this just as the news has come through that Katarina Carroll, the uh, Commissioner for Police in Queensland has resigned from her job after five years doing that job. One of the headlines say, as officers revolt. I'm not so sure about who should be revolting and who shouldn't be, but uh, some of my uh, uh, knowledge at the moment about behaviour of police and the police force, and I've been talking about it and something to talk about, and I've talked about it further on the road safety issue in uh, the next issue of Truck and Life. There's something not right. With, with, the, with the whole of the police services at the moment, 
And I suspect it's not just to do with the police service. Just as what's wrong with the transport industry is not to do just with the transport industry. A lot of these things, whether it's road transport, the police, level crossings, the railways, politics, and good on Zali Stegel for uh, um, suggesting random drug and alcohol testing in Parliament House because uh, she must be listening to our program and reading our mail because it's been suggested on here a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, I don't agree with you all the time, Zali, but you, uh, you've made a, a, a mark there and good luck to you, but I digress again. Um, yeah, the police have got a lot, a lot on their plate. They've got a lot to answer for. It's a very difficult place to work. Uh, with all the sad stuff that goes on in society with domestic violence and child abuse and sex abuse. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. It's just too depressing. But having decided that that's what they want their career path to be, these people need to be both supported and constructively criticised when it's right to do so. How we support them is by making sure us and our families and our extended families and our neighbours and people we know do a better job of being good members of the community. Um, I don't mean getting around sticking our nose into other people's business. I mean that if we see something wrong, we say something. And not necessarily by dobbing people in. I, I don't like this these anonymous phone numbers where people get dobbed in and everything else. I think you're better off to go and confront the... Uh, the perpetrators themselves. But anyway, that's, that's a bit old school, I suppose, for the way things are these days. But to go back to the police, they uh, they have a certain arrogance about them in some sections, uh, especially the, uh, the uh, well, they call it the Road Policing Command in New South Wales, in, uh, in Queensland, sorry. They call it the Highway Patrol in New South Wales and they call it something else somewhere else and... They've got task forces and they've got even got officers that report on other officers and all this sort of jazz. And they really ought to grow up a bit and stop watching so much American television. Um, they're all there to do a job. They're all part of the, the one family, just like everyone in road transport's part of the one family. And uh, it probably wouldn't hurt for us to sort of pull each other into gear a bit more either. And that's a bit fanciful, I know. But the point I wish to make is that when the police haven't done or aren't doing their job, we should say something. And who should we say it to? Well, I suppose we could start with the Premier or the Prime Minister or the Minister for Police or the Minister for Justice or the Ombudsman or even just our local member. But rather than just walk away and, and call them names and be negative about it, I think as a society and as members of it, we all ought to be saying a bit more. And in two ways too both complimenting them when they do the good and criticising them when they do bad. I know of two cases, two recent cases, and it just makes you wonder about the road transport industry's role in all this, but I'll, I'll begin by saying this. I know of at least two cases recently where drivers, truck drivers, uh, working for reputable companies have been involved in serious accidents through no fault of their own. On both occasions, the truck driver was not at fault uh, but in, as a result of the accident, they either lost their phone or, in one case, all their possessions and uh, because the vehicle burnt. And uh, when the police were asked to inform the owners of the vehicle, and these were two employed drivers, by the way, not owner drivers, when the police were asked to uh, inform the owners of the vehicle, 
uh, they didn't uh, indicate that they would do anything other than just do that. And uh, to my knowledge, the owners are still waiting on a call from the police. One, one owner found out when the customer didn't receive his goods on time, his load on time, and the uh, other customer found out by another means when, um, when the driver was wondering why he hadn't heard back from his employer. Now, it's pretty sad to think that, you know, there's a million dollars worth of gear line on the side of the road through no fault of the person who is in charge of that gear, and the police can't even find the time, the energy, or the, or, 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 or the, the uh, decency, you might say, courtesy at least, to uh, let the owner know. It's there because of circumstances beyond both the owner's and the driver's control. And I know the police have got to le- got a lot to do, but uh, just reminds me the story of the bloke who reckoned he was having his shed broken t- into and he rang the police and the police said, oh, no, we won't be able to get there for a couple of hours. So he called them back three minutes later and said, oh, by the way, I shot one of those blokes and the police were there in three minutes. And, uh, okay, the bloke told a lie, but he got their attention. The sad part about it is from the point of view of the police at the police station is that the police forces are understaffed. Uh, there's been a mass exodus of officers from all the police forces right around the country. I've spoken about this in Truck and Life. Uh, and um, New South Wales, the New South Wales police force has at least been honest enough to say that they have a shortage of officers in almost, if not every command. Uh, and I'm pretty sure we've got a similar problem in Queensland when you look at the issues that are going on up here and uh, obviously the Northern Territory. Look, it's the same everywhere. Um, I see signs advertising starting at 140000 or something in Queensland. Well, it's got a little bit more to do than just the money. Most things in life have more to do with than just the money. But it's about time we started to wake up to that fact too. I, I, I don't really know why... Uh, Katarina Carroll resigned or why she wanted to or why she needed to um, but that's that's her business but when there's police officers in revolt uh, there's something not right with the way things are being managed like if you've got a hundred trucks and half your drivers or, or more are in revolt you've got a management problem you haven't just got a personnel problem or you know, you've got a lot of other problems that go along with it, but the main aspect of it is it's a management problem. And I see most things from, from the management perspective because I was self-employed as an owner-driver for 44 years. I uh, work in the management side of things with the company that employs me part-time. Now I'm semi-retired. And um, there's two aspects to management. There's good management and there's bad management. And um, only one of them works. So I think it's about time we got some good management from the top down in especially the Queensland Police Force, but all the police forces. And uh, I wish Katarina Carroll well for her, her future, and I just hope a suitable replacement can be found, and I hope that uh, all the police commissioners right around the country start to take a, 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 a more responsible and uh, courteous view of our industry and realise that uh, the police have got a bit to answer for, and I'm sure it's from the top down, not the bottom up. Just the difference in attitude between the NHVR and, of course, we're supposed to be going to see more of that in Queensland now, where they're talking more about being uh, proactive than reactive, more about educating than than than, than um, spifflocating, if you or uh, you know, uh, 
writing infringements only when they need to. Um, it seems to be the other way around with the police services, the highway patrol, the task forces, the uh, the transport uh, officers that get put on the side of the road in blitzes and all that. Um, we need to sit down and, and we need the NHVR and the police to sit down with responsible members of the industry. Uh, you know, maybe the uh, all the CEOs of the state associ- state-based associations like the QTA and uh, Northern Territory Road Freight Association and that, plus the ATA and whoever else is entitled to be at the table. But they need to sit down and get a common approach going where the police can be more comfortable with what they have to do. We can be more comfortable with what we have to do and we're going to both understand that we're all here to do a job to get it done as well and as professionally and as effectively as possible uh, and to get on together and, and do it in a, a, a cooperative and, and uh, understanding way would be a better result than having all this derision and division that's going on right now. I, uh, I wish all the police officers out there on the road well because they're just as entitled to get home safely as we are and uh, they have some awful things to deal with, I understand that, but that doesn't take away uh, the... Uh, responsibility they have to their jobs and their community just like we all in the road transport industry have a responsibility to our jobs in our community and in both cases especially our families so I wish you all well out there but I just hope things can improve because at the moment and you'll read more about it in Truck and Life uh, at the moment there's a, there's a fair few areas of concern thanks for listening this is Bob McMillan To take us out of the show, here's another great song from this week's special music guest. It's another of her upbeat, super positive hits. Here's Courtney Kyle with Hummingbird. Don't want the weight of the world on my shoulders 
On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On the Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.